Thank you for taking the time to put that into your heart. And I deeply appreciate your service here. It's a little intimidating, though, with all the confetti. It's also intimidating a little bit to think about the second most popular verse in the Bible as our theme today. I mean, John 3.16 clearly is probably the most popular um, verse. But I Googled it, and apparently Psalm 23 is the most um, popular passage or section from people around the world. So, it's intimidating. I know, though, I have a little bit of experience with shepherding, as you know. Um, You didn't know this, but I have skills. We had a baby alpaca about a week and a half ago, and I know that in my leadership in that herd, it's renowned. I want you to notice the the picture here, my look of concern in the first picture as a shepherd. That's my look for concern. And then I have uh, the next picture on the bottom. That's my look of reflection. And then the next picture is deep reflection. (laughs) And then I'm not going to tell you what happened in the next picture. You can't see it, but I had to change. (laughs) You know, people think shepherds are people who have this great job because they have all these pets, but these sheep were not pets. They had another function. (laughs) They're not pets. They are food. So, (laughs) is there anyone who's renting a small room that I might stay? Ah. We look at the 23rd Psalm. I just want to ask some personal questions as we end this series, because this, we really need a week, two weeks, three weeks, seven months to do this whole Psalm. We could do the whole Psalm for about um, seven weeks, but um, I'll share a few personal questions at the end of this series. Um, The song starts with just two metaphors. Um, God is like a shepherd, 
and I am a sheep. That's one metaphor. And then the other one is God is like a host who has a guest. And there might be more people in the room as well. But both are so common that the message is so clearly relevant, um, you almost look over it and go around it and look for something new. And I'm not sure that that's wise. But both have the basic message, both metaphors. The song begins with the metaphor of a shepherd uh, and a sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. David is saying, I I am the sheep. I am a sheep, and I have a shepherd. This is an easy observation, and the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd would be so common and intimate with David. But starts to think about David's song, the sense of his identity. I suggest that the song today is not just about shepherds, but it's about my shepherd. It starts in the first person. I am a sheep and I have a shepherd. David knows about this relationship and it's so perfect for him. And he understands the identity of a shepherd, but he chooses to say, I'm not a shepherd. I'm a sheep. And I have a shepherd. And when we get confused about our identity, that's when we see pain and damage and disappointment in our life. The identity and nature of humanity became cloudy in the garden. The first breakdown on life started when our position in life was not enough. The deceiver offered an angle to God's instruction that postured Adam and Eve and were imagining something different, thinking something more, something that they felt like they need, something more than they were created for. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, it says, You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from this fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It's a different look on the nature of our identity as humans. The original sin in the Garden of Eden was a tempting fruit, but the insinuation was eating a forbidden fruit. That's one thing, but really, it was what would this do for us if we ate this? 
We were compelled to change our identity by eating this. The deception has a distortion for their sensibility and their position with God. Instead of being created in the image of God or likeness, they were told that they were created to become God, knowing good and evil. It seems like just a slight shift, but a seismic chasm happened as a result of that. From the beginning, you can trace the pain and the heart and the disappointment when we see people who adopt another identity. Have you ever tried that? To try to be someone that you were not, really. There's this T-shirt that I had in college. Um, It said, um, there are two truths in this world. Number one, there is a God, and number two, it's not you. And I was going up in the escalator, and this woman poked me in the back. She says, where did you get that T-shirt? And I said, I think it's called witness wear. Said, yeah, but where did you get that? I said, I just got it in the mail. I think it was a youth rally, and they didn't know what that was, but they said, well, I need to get one from my husband. (laughs) And I'm saying, thank you for sharing (laughs) with with me. Now, some of the funny things like about our identity shows up when you're shopping. My wife and I, we'll always laugh at this experience. We're we were, we were um, just married. We we're in a store, and this woman was going from uh, garment after garment, holding up a blouse or a dress or other things that I was uncomfortable about doing that in public. But they were holding it up, and, and she would always say, is this me? Is this me? Like the identity is in that. Says, this is me. And it was so funny. <laughs> My wife had to walk away because she doesn't do this often, but she was laughing so much. She said, does this me? Is this is me? Does this look like me? And he just looked at him. He says, this is me, she said. And he said this. He said, that might be you, but that's not you and me. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> but we got out of there quick because that was pretty funny when I heard him say that. That's not me and you. It's strange. We start thinking about who we are, but that's one of the key questions that we actually need to ask. It's because of this psalm. It's a, it's a challenge for us to look at our assumptions, our foundations, the first things that we think about, about ourselves, and say, who, who really? Do you know who you are? I have a shepherd, and I, I don't need anything. I am a sheep, and I have a shepherd, 
and I don't need anything else. And you look at shepherds, they protect, they lead, they supply every need, and these animals, they look like they're dumb, cute animals, and they probably are both. But God is the shepherd, and you are not a dumb animal. We are maybe cute, but we are more. When we see cultures and families and organizations and people shift away from their designed purpose, it's hard to watch. Do you ever see that in yourself? I would say this, this discord that comes from the message that you are not enough as a sheep. That's, that's un, it's incorrect. Like, I look at the New Testament and there is declaration after declaration from people, even the voice of Jesus, who declares who our identity is about. I love in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says that I am a child of God. In Christ, I am a new creation, 2 Corinthians. I am an heir from the Father, uh, not just an heir, but I am a joint, joint heir with Christ. I stand beside with our older brother. According to Ephesians, I am a workmanship created in Christ for good works. I'm a machine of goodness. I don't always feel that way, but I'm declared to be that. What is our identity? Do you know who you are? Find your identity from God the shepherd. I am a citizen of heaven. Walk like that. You are not on, well, you're on, uh, you are aliens in this world, foreigners on this earth. But your citizenship is on the way. Even the new church was talking about this, that we are aliens. We're looking for another place. That's where our identity comes from. I love it. It also says, who do you know who you are? I am a member of God's body in 1 Corinthians. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am a habitat for humanity. Right inside of me, God is supposed to dispense grace through me. Now I understand the confetti. It's a wonder. It's not 
just. I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep and I have this shepherd. I have an identity. I have something more. I'm, I'm a chosen friend of God. It says that we're meant to be salt and light, the light of the world. I'm not just a survivor, it says in Romans again. I am not just a survivor, but I'm more than conquerors in Christ. I am a, sh- I am a sheep, and I have a shepherd, and I have everything I need. And David would say next, he would say, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. He refreshes my soul. Reading this translation, I had to actually um, call my son about that because he's been trained by our theology department. And he talked to me about that. He showed me a little picture of his notes on this, and I was just, I was amazed. The, the translation is, it's better this way. It's, it's not really saying it's refreshing my soul. It gives the, I, the idea that like you're languishing on some beach or relaxing on some boat, you know, relaxing on vacation or some weekend at a spa, like for a week. How do you spend a whole weekend at a spa anyway? What do you do? It's not about refreshing my soul. That's not what it means. The phrase should mean it brings me back. It's actually a word for repentance, to bring back or return or turn around, to shift around the position, your posture, to face something else. A destination. This is a change of mind. You're turning your position to see better. That's the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. Change your mind. Change your position. You turn this direction and face over here. This word is one of those come-to-Jesus moments where you simply turn around. Shift your posture, turn your face from your pride, from your selfishness, and to face God. So the second question is, do you know when to turn around? Do you know when to turn around? There are myths about repentance. I don't know how this idea crept into the part of the process of following Jesus, but it feels turning around. There has to, it's not enough. Have you ever felt like, like you never really repented enough? Like you did, you thought you were 
sorry, but mostly sorry. Like I was accurate, I just should never said that, right? You ever felt like you completely repented? Like when you turned around, you see all the steps that got you there. And there's this impulse to prove your genuineness with some sort of steps of evidence. And it's not there. There's not in Scripture either. Every time you are awakened to turn around in the Bible and face God, you see this one theme. Repent then and turn to God so your sins will be wiped out right there. The times of refreshing might come from the Lord. That's direct. That's immediate. No steps. No proving my sincerity. You turn your face to God, and He's right in your face. Because if I don't have that, I'll never make it. Because I'm stubborn. When I get down those steps, I take a lot of steps away from God. A lot of steps. And when I have to look at that, that's a mountain I can't do. But I have a Savior who climbed the mountain for me. And when you turn your face, It takes away the gap. And you're there face to face, and you can start again. It's throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. If my people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves, seek my face in turn, I will hear them. I'm right here. He says, for the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. Second um, Chronicles, he said, he will not turn his face from you if you return to him. He's there. It's immediate. No gap. And you see that in the New Testament. Even when you can't fully turn around, God comes closer and takes your steps away. Do you believe that? Because if you don't, and I struggled with this for a while, if you don't, the option is you have to make yourself ready to be accepted. You have to prove your loyalty. And we're never going to get there that way. That's not our belief. That is not our Lord. And so in this picture, it's true as a, sh- a sheep, they have a shepherd, and, and they get distracted, lost, disoriented. It's common That's why they have the implements. It's a battery, I mean, a a bottle of spray and, and a spoon, right? They have that. 
It's the staff and the rod. And they do both things. They guide and they defend and do offense as well. And that our shepherd does both on behalf of us. Do you believe that? I was thinking this week, and I was reading in The Desire of Ages, in the section on God with us, there's this one little small paragraph. I I, want to read it because it kind of captures this repentance and this this environment that God has created in Christ. It says this, it says, by his life and his death, Christ has achieved even more than recovery from the ruin wrought through sin. It was Satan's purpose to bring about an eternal separation between God and man. But in Christ, we become more closely united to God than if we had never fallen. In taking our nature, the Savior has bound himself to humanity by a tie that is never to be broken. You think about garden was great. Just think about it in this place today where you turn your face to God and he does your steps for you and brings you deeper into a relationship even before the fall. It's not about being bad sheep, doing bad things, or you're shocked by being depraved with the lifestyle that you've lived or now how you have to make this new change. But this repentance, this call to turn around is to simply just to face Christ. It's God's desire to prompt you the Holy Spirit is going to prick your, prick your heart at one point or another. It's going to happen throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the years. You've heard it before where the ringing of the bell, it comes. It's a, it's a moment in a song. It's a quietness in a person's actions or in a sermon or something you read or just something you was reminded of. But that's the Holy Spirit is speaking. Do you know when to turn around? Because that's your signal. Turn your face. Doesn't matter about the distance. Do you know who you are? Do you know when you to turn around? (laughs) And do you know your destination? Because David continues the story or the metaphor for the shepherd saying even. (laughs) Like, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's not going to be easy. The walk is not easy. Somewhere we got this idea, this this embrace that what's easy is wise. You look in your life that was good and enduring. It probably wasn't cheap, was it? Or easy. 
hard things. We try to avoid hard things. But the case of the shepherd is that we will walk through these places to go to our destination. Apparently, the journey will always have seasons of darkness. It's always there. It's not as the fear of death. It actually means it's, there's this deep shadow, a deep darkness of the shadow that overwhelms us when we walk. These ravines and corridors where shepherds would have to lead sheep through seasons of terror and uncertainty, but it's a season. The shepherd knows this cliff is there, the the darkness is there, but the shepherd knows what it looks like on the other side. But he's not going to trick us and tell us that there's no darkness. It's there. The shadow will not overwhelm us. And he knows this. He knows it's cold, it's dark, it's tricky. You have your answer, though. It's right there in the center of this whole psalm. It's right in the middle. You are with me. Yeah, you have a staff and a rod. There's a defense and offense. The shepherd is prepared. You are there. But the destination is not green grass. The destination is not a table. It's not cool water that's still because, you know, sheep, they don't go in to drink unless it's stopped because they tip what happens. They got all that wool. They trip over and they'll die. They know all of this stuff. They just know that their destination, the house that they have, is not a place. It's the person who calls me. You are with me. You can go through with your shepherd. The shepherd chose the route, the canyon, the ditch, the darkness, because the shepherd also knows the area well. The dark is a place to be careful, but it's not the destination. I I look at this metaphor and I say, end of the illustration. It's done. Now, there's another metaphor, but it just reminds me of… I tried to think about a metaphor for us today of a sheep and a shepherd or this process, the lifestyle of letting God lead us from one place to the next. How many of you use a GPS function? Raise your hand. Oh my. Do you trust it? (laughs) Some of you said, oh, sometimes. (laughs) How many, the instructions that you get on the websites that said, don't trust your GPS? 
turn left when it says right. Do you ever see that before? It reminds me of, I was talking to the high school students at WAVA this week, and I was um, just asking them some questions. What is, what is a GPS? What, what are the things that you need to have a, a GPS to work? And he says, you need to have, number one, where, where you are, where's your, your place, where are you standing right now, and where's your destination? And I think I squeezed the concept um, learning to turn around a few times and find the real source um, in there too if I can. But there is a little bit of turning around even with the GPS stuff. I was looking at um, some of the stories of people who got lost on GPS and one family was just going to an event with them. It was night and it was rainy and it was hard to see, but they're just following the GPS. It's almost like they're not even looking out of the windshield, but they following the GPS and they got to their destination. They looked with their lights um, higher and they found this, the voice that said, this is your destination. And they looked, this is not the mall, this is not the movies, this is at a cemetery. This is your destination. Well, I guess there's, I guess it's biblical. The best one, I think, was the family who was um, doing a vacation from Buffalo to South Carolina. And at that place, they did this history tour. Don't ever take, I'm sorry, um, Dr. Dodds or Dr. Amott, but don't take a vacation as a history tour. Don't do that to your kids. <laughs> take them to the beach. Use educational funds for that tour, right? They did on a history tour. <laughs> And they stopped and they were doing everything that they were supposed to do along the way. This family were done with their vacation and these three kids strapped in, all defeated and going back to an overnight shift as mom and dad want to go home one day earlier so you can go home and do chores before the vacation. Is This person should be in jail. <laughs> Sorry. Using GPS, they left from the long drive back to Buffalo. They made very good time. Um, they had excellent weather. It was overnight, though, so it was dark. They were listening to an audiobook and following the GPS. They came into the park of Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And it woke them up saying, this is your destination. The kids started to wake up. 
And they're saying, how did we go to Disney when we're supposed to be going to Buffalo? We went south and we did not go north. And now the kids are waking up and they're going to see their fantasy. What's wrong with my parents? So they punched on that minivan and they were going so fast into that parking lot, they got a ticket. They got a ticket and then they had to stop and get tickets and spend the whole day there. Um, Finally, the destination that they always dreamed was there. But this, this GPS starts with where you are turning to your desired destination. And along the way, you need to check along the way. Wow. The, the next metaphor is easy, it's normal. You can just read it or you can study it. It's the same thing, it's the same questions and the same message. You prepare. It's not a message of, uh, it's not a metaphor of a, a, a sheep or a shepherd. It's a host and a guest. And he says, the, there's a table before you in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Do you see that again? It's the same message. With the shepherd, the destination is the Emmanuel, the shepherd. I am with you. It's the same thing with the host and the guest. We're not talking about sheep, real situations that we are, have enemies and guests and people. And the same question can be asked. David, who are you? And do you know when to turn around? And do you know your destination? It's not a temple anymore. It's the person of Christ who says, I am the house. I recall the end of the book that says, In Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, it says, the dwelling place is with God, and God is with us. And I heard this loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with people again. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God himself will be them as their God. And that's how the song ends.